one hour left. Come on, people. Let's go. Give us some trades. You want some stuff to talk about here. Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick, Leaf Station, Trade Deadline Edition. Joining us now, special guest. We've been so lucky with all of our guests today. Joining us in the Radio Sweat Lodge. Cannot be said enough. <laughs> our man, Jamal Mayers. How are you doing, Jamal? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? It is hot in here. No joke. I know. I know. And you guys got the suits. We should have worn like the uh, Tom Selleck Magnum P.I. shirt no, we, or something Yeah, like that. we should have looked like the yeah. Blues headed into the uh, the outdoor game there in, in our bathing suits and everything. That's what we needed today. Because, man, this, it's This, this may be some GMs are feeling this right now, the last <laughs> hour. They're feeling it. They're <laughs> feeling the heat. If they haven't made a deal, it's time to get it done, right? So what are you, what are you guys doing downstairs? Telling stories, telling tales. Kelly Rudy's talking up your shoes and... You know, I feel like we should clarify this on air. Rudy mentioned it at the end of the last segment. They are nice shoes, but I really expected them to be like bedazzled or spiky or something. You know, just a nice, uh, nice little black and white shoe. It's pretty classy. Nice. Classy. Pretty Very classy. disappointing. I, it is. I, I would have to admit, right. just a simple, simple shoe. Yeah, Kelly Rudy doesn't make many mistakes, but that was one. That was that was. <laughs> he one doesn't of get out much, Kelly Rudy. That's I, a think, that's I think exciting. nobody actually. Yeah, actually, that's right. the weird thing. Just everyone's saying, just doing stuff. I, I don't know if the average listener, I think the average listener cares. Hey, we're, we're Gordon, if I was doing, saying it, they don't. But you, but, a legend, no, they but, care. But, no, but about a group getting together again, because it didn't happen last year, just in, just in general now, like on the hockey side, but also the broadcast side, all, everyone together in the same kind of room. Hey, guys, so, guys, so, sorry, I did it. I, <laughs> I spoke it into existence. We have a trade. Arturi no Lekkonen is going to Colorado. I don't know that that's the big, sexy move. We know they were in on Giroux there. But it has happened. We have a trade. I don't know. I don't know. Apparently, they're listening in Colorado. They're listening in Montreal. They're listening somewhere. But uh, we have a trade. Arturi Lekkonen goes to uh, Colorado. I didn't want to pump the brakes on our fund, but this is kind of what we're here to do. Uh, the Avalanche, you know, they were the team on everybody's radar. They cleared out the space for, for many people's money. They're the best team in the league. We know they were interested in Giroux. He said no thanks. Getting a guy like Lekkonen definitely helps, but I don't know that it's necessarily the the kind of 1A difference maker they were expecting there. You know, we were talking about it, and as players, you're kind of get given a really clear indication of where you are uh, in, as a team. Mm-hmm. And when, it, when an organization decides that you're on the brink, you're close, teams like Calgary and, and Colorado that are adding players – it's a boost for your group and the guys in the room feel it and you feel that energy that you know what ownership management they believe in us they're trying to give us a push that we could actually do something special and i think when you're on those teams you also feel it the other way mm-hmm. when you see some of your great players leaving like with if you're philly and your captain leave it can be demoralizing because you realize holy cow we're a long way away from winning and now we just lost our captain it's gonna be a tough last 20 games of the season uh, be interesting to see how those two different dynamics play out the rest of the season, but it gives you a little bit of insight of what the players are thinking. Well, let me let me throw sorry, Gord. Let me yeah. let me throw a third dynamic in there. I know it's a different sport, but I remember a few years ago, thinking back to 2015, 16, the Blue Jays players were all adamant heading into the deadline. They were saying it publicly: "We would like a move. We want some help. Go get us a body." And nobody came. What does it do to a room if you're expecting that move to be made? It's a shot in the arm when it comes, of course. But if you're sitting around going, "Oh, we're getting some help. We're getting a body in here," or is that something the players don't really think about as much? No, they do. Okay. <laughs> and I think they talk about it, and you talk about it on the bus, you talk about it on the plane. When you're that close, as I believe we were in 2000, and I think it was 2001 where we, at the trade deadline, we got uh, Keith Kachuk okay. for Hanzus and Nagy, uh, and that's a game-changer that's type a of player. Move, yeah. And so that was a clear indication as a, as a, in, our, in our room that we could do something special now. History played it out. We lost to Colorado in the semifinals, but uh, you could argue we could have won that series 
three three games went to uh, uh, overtime. We lose in five, but it really wasn't a five-game series, in my opinion. But we were right there. And I think it's a great indication to our group. And you're right. If you're sitting there and they don't make a move, that's tough. That's tough to swallow. And you feel like maybe they really don't think we're that close. The moves, they they keep on coming. Uh, this one, not as sexy. It's not a trade, but it involves the Leafs. So arguably, infinitely more sexy. Uh, the Finnish goaltender, Harry Satari, or Hari Satari, that they had uh, signed out of Finland. He has been claimed off waivers by Arizona. So he's headed to the Coyotes. Harry Satari. Have, have fun. Have fun in Arizona, Harry. And uh, the other side of that, of course, Peter Morazic clears waivers. So he did, does not get picked up by anybody. I wouldn't be surprised to see there be a deal mm-hmm. there where the Leafs he doesn't go anywhere and he comes back. Oh, <laughs> he comes back. Think, give us a seventh round pick or yeah, a fifth round I, pick I, I or something, something like that. Okay, there. that's interesting. And, I uh, and they're also saying Nick Letty from Detroit yes. to St. Louis. So about Ooh. yeah. So I mean the, the so we're gonna kind of maybe see this the last hour kind of the the big teams these useful type pickups. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I played with Letty as a when he was a rookie. Probably one of the smoothest skaters I've ever played with. Take three strides and be down the ice. Uh, effortless skater, a guy who's won before, who's uh, going to add a nice element to to that blue. You know, you've been thinking, I thought maybe they need a little bit more muscle back there, mm-hmm. but he's a guy who uh, can certainly move the puck. If you look at them analytically, the blues that is, they're in the bottom uh, three teams of, of allowing chances off the rush. I think he'll help with that defending-wise and also in helping killing cycles. Uh, they don't defend that well in that regard, so... It'd be interesting uh, move by Doug Armstrong. I'm not surprised that he 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 made that move. He typically gets ahead of the market, and, but he's able to pick up a nice player in Letty and, and a quality person. Well, and I think that's an important thing, you know, just kind of what we were talking about there, where, look, nobody expected the Blues to win the Cup when they won the cup. So crazier things have happened here, but this is a GM saying, yeah, we're not, we're not, you know, going to go over the moon here for this team, but here's a little help. Here's a little piece. We've seen this group catch fire before and have magic. And it just feels to me like that's exactly the kind of thing you're seeing there. No. Yeah. And army's on record saying that this team can win a cup. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, obviously everyone talks about Colorado and everyone's been talking about Calgary, but I can assure you, neither of those teams want to play the blues in the first round. Mm-hmm. And so, you're going to see great teams be out in the first round. That's just the way it is, the new system, the way it, the way it's set up. And it kind of changes how you evaluate your season, in my in my view. But I think it would be interesting to see what they do, what else they may do. Maybe add another player, seeing as Bozak's now out as well for about four weeks. So, um, But they're a team that's adding that the Army's on, on record saying that he thinks they can win. So, you know, we're just getting back about added now, because Bruce Boudreaux will always talk about the 2010 Washington Capitals where they added too many players. They added Scott Walker and Joe Corvo, and it became, you know, a problem that a, that a third line became a fourth line. A fourth line went to the press box. And I know, you know, talking to Mike Johnson as well, your friend and former teammate, like how much pride you took about being a third, fourth liner. So mm-hmm. Calgary, for example, you know, two great pickups in Toffoli and Yarncroke. But also you're out there playing hard in the third or fourth line. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a bit of a – I know they don't like Daryl Sutter. It's about winning team. But there's a bit of a balance there, isn't there? That's a great point. I think that uh, you do definitely take pride in, in your role. And and I think it's almost easier to bring in like a star player because they kind of fit in. They're going to play top minutes and you, kind of more easier for the group to kind of absorb. Because, of course, Giroux is going to be on the power play. That's why he's there. So someone's not going to be on the power play that was on the second unit. I think that's easier to swallow in that regard. But the the pulse and the meat of the team, I agree, the bottom six, they really dictate who you know the battle that you're in and, and really I become the team identity. 
And sometimes when you shake that tree a little bit too much, I agree with you. I think it's harder to implement those type of players if you don't if you already have a group that's playing well as mm-hmm. Calgary does. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic works. If it doesn't, they can always go back to it. Maybe that's the thought. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point you bring up because, of course, we think a guy like Giroux creates more disruption to a lineup. He's going to go in a very prominent place, but it's easy to say, oh, okay, well, you know, it's Claude Giroux. I can, I can sit here on my hands a little bit. It's a little easier to understand, whereas if it's, you know, if you're a third-line, fourth-line guy, you probably think you're just as good as the guy who got brought in potentially to, to replace you. So, yeah, that's interesting. I honestly uh, hadn't thought of that much. I, I do want to kind of, uh, you know, to take continue to take a look uh, around the league, but bring it back a little bit to Leafs land here. The Atlantic, every team loaded up. The Leafs get Giordano. The Bruins go out and get Lindholm. The Lightning do what they do. The Panthers seemingly are trading for half the league. It, it looks like. Who who do you like in the Atlantic? I mean, it's it's easy to say the Lightning. I do wonder, though, if the all the hockey they play up, they've played. At some point, it's going to catch up to them. I do wonder if this is going to be the year where you can catch the Lightning. I don't think you can catch them in the first round, but I do wonder as the playoffs go on if the if those tired legs are going to kind of become a factor for them. Uh, it's hard to bet against the champions, right? Impossible. And I think that um, <laughs> if you take Tampa out of it, because I still think they're the, they deserve the respect that they've earned over the last few years, uh, Florida. The, the Panthers, to me, uh, are built the right way. They're big. They're fast. I've, I've always said this, that the game kind of regresses five or six years rules-wise because the referees don't want to become part of the Sometimes story. decades, not you years. Know, it, yeah. it goes back, so <laughs> you need big, heavier... It might not win in the regular season, mm-hmm. but you need to be able to play a, a rougher style game, a grinded-out type of game, because that's just the way the game goes in the playoffs, and I think they're built to do just that. So uh, I like the Panthers. Maybe it's because my buddy Bruno's the coach there now, and uh, I have a funny story. He came once. I had a secret party, like a party where you everyone gets... Uh, a character in the mail well, two weeks before the party. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's a murder mystery. A murder mystery. Murder mystery. Yeah, we had great. one at our house yeah. when I was in, in Chicago. We hosted about, you know, 12 couples. Anyway, we didn't know who was the murderer. Finally found out who the murderer was at the party. It was funny. The party went on. He stayed in character. <laughs> Andrew Brunette stayed in character. He was the only one who stayed in character the entire night. Even when he was leaving my house, he stayed in character. It was hilarious. <laughs> so... Well, yeah, no, I had a chance to chat with him. He he goes back to the old rinkside days, too, the American Hockey League. So good. And what a job he's done with Joel Quenville leaving, a very underrated job. Sometimes that's a more difficult way to step in. Are you, so, okay, so now we're looking at the Atlantic Division. Is every team better built for the playoffs? I mean, the other three than the Toronto Maple Leafs? I think they are. I think that uh, they're trying to redefine what their bottom sixes look like. I think they've made attempts to to reshape that. I think the question will be, are they mean enough? Uh, they clearly can score goals. Can they defend? Can they uh, minimize zone time in the defensive zone? We know they can transition. We know that they have a great power play. They know they have game breakers. Uh, it's it's the bottom six of, of the forwards. Can they uh, really change momentum when it's necessary in the playoffs, score big goals when, and, and play a tougher game defensively? So um, I'd look for them you know, they've got to get out of the first round, right? We've been saying this for We keep for, saying for it. One while, day it'll but, happen. Yeah. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure playing for the Leafs. But I think that this group, I, I obviously you don't want Matthews to be cross-checking people uh, in the head, and I'm sure he's remorseful for having done so. But uh, I like the fact that he was in the battle. I think that the example, I believe it was against Montreal last year where he was kind of laughing mm-hmm. it off, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I, 
you need your star player, whoever it is. And I go back, you can go back to Vincent LeCavier, and it's not about fighting. You go back to the pushback oh, that Vinny LeCavier that was, had. That was one of the best that moments was in tur- Stanley Cup Finals history. And that was a turning point, right? That was a message to his team. And I think that as much as uh, Tavares is the captain, this is Matthew's team. And so the example that he sets and the way that he competes will determine where this team goes. And that was a good sign. That's what I keep coming back to. You know, we talk about the bottom six of this team. And, you know, hey, hey kudos to Kyle Dubas. I know Andre Kosh is hurt right now, so he's not kind of a part of that. But that third line that's been built there with Camp and Engvall and Mikheyev, or maybe Kosh is a part of that, it, it's maybe not as heavy as you think of your typical checking line, but the way they play, the way they skate, the way they kind of control the game, that's a line you can be happy with. But then you go a little further down. And the fourth line, I, I think I've liked it at times this season, but it is just a mishmash of bodies and you haven't found that kind of group with an identity but i go back to what you said about matthews it's great if you could have you know a fourth line that's like that that islanders fourth line is just running around and causing mayhem but if austin matthews isn't that guy that has that buy-in to make things difficult it it kind of doesn't matter what what the rest of the team looks like it, it feels like it has to flow from the top down and i i agree with you like i really like that as- aspect of matthews game and you mentioned the charat thing i was somebody i'll admit hands up i was wrong at the time i thought that's actually what you do want you want to see him above the fray clearly not I want him in it, and I think he kind of realizes that now. I, I think that's just part of his maturation process. I say, listen, like he's still a young player, and you have to. Everyone wants their their success to come uh, as a 19, 20, 21, 22 year old, and not everyone is going to be Sidney Crosby and and Jonathan Taze. And sometimes, like Colorado's finding out, like McKinnon's finding out, you have to develop some scar tissue. I think Matthews developed that scar tissue, and hopefully, their group has enough of that and is able to shrug away all the negative naysayers and negative things that come along with playing with Toronto for Toronto and find a way to get, get over that hump. I think if this team makes it past the first round, I'm confident saying they make it to the conference finals. That's <laughs> it's how, always how felt that good, way. Yeah. How good it will feel for this group to get out of the first round. Well, they'll still close a couple intersections. They will after the game. Like if they, mm-hmm. you know, I know not the whole city, but that's you're right. It's, it's it's such a downer if they don't win it, but it'll be they get their butt kissed again and all the pressure off them. So we're wondering. Uh, playoffs, you got as good a line going right now, okay, but you also, the depth and balance is more important playoffs, and Toronto's supposed to have two lines going. Would you put Marner on with John Tavares? Is it better to look at that and have two lines going and someone else up with Austin Matthews? It's difficult to say. I think that um, I think I put more on Tavares to get his game going on his own. He's a star player who's done it for a long time. I think it's more incumbent on him to make it happen versus solving a problem for him by, by putting a guy like Marner. I think that that doesn't make the problem go away. I think it just masks it. I think the the onus is on Tavares, as difficult as it is to be an offensive player, is to find it and to find a way to, to contribute. He's going to get favorable matchups. He's not getting the top pairing. That's going to Matthews. So everything's lined up in his favor. I just think it's he's got to find a way to, you know, create opportunities to create that that chemistry with Nylander if that's who he's with and find a way for them to be able to contribute. How much how much pride does the rest of a team take? I, like, I understand for the Leafs, especially the position they're at, cool, Matthews wins the heart. We want to win a playoff series. 
But I would imagine the team kind of looks at that as a, you know, not the goal, but it's something they're working towards. Because I'll be honest, for me, I look at it and I hear everything you're saying about Tavares, but it feels to me like the simplest way to get him going is just to flip Nylander and Marner. But I don't know how you can look at Matthews and say you're the best goal scorer on the planet. You're having a hard trophy season and we're going to take your best winger away from yeah, you. Like that, It just feels like a hard conversation to have. That's not going to happen. I think, <laughs> I think that, it, like I said, it's it's Nylander and and... Tavares that have to pick it up, and I don't think that switching it up just masks their issue and fixes it for them. And I think that uh, the team doesn't care. I think that's just a byproduct. If he wins the heart, uh, that's a byproduct of having a great season. No one on that team, uh, everyone on the team wants him to win it, but they're not winning hockey games or thinking, hey, man, if he scores two goals tonight, he's going to be ahead of the race. For the, They don't care. No one cares. For a little team. quick programming note. Uh, Leafs GM Kyle Dubas will join Real Kipper and Bourne at 4.30 today. So uh, in just a little more than two hours' time, uh, we'll hear from Leafs GM. Who knows? Maybe they'll have some more moves for us to make. Uh, we should probably talk about the move that they, they did make. Uh, Mark Giordano comes in as respected a guy in this league. If he, if he was a right-hand shot, and we've said that only about every defenseman the Leafs have acquired in the last three years this would be the perfect move i think it pretty much is even even though he's he's a lefty the pairing with brody is right there you could probably play him with some other guys as well what do you make of of that pickup and do you think the leafs will be done or do you think they should add a little more well first off i played with geo for a few months in calgary uh at the beginning of of his career and he's He's a quality person. Uh, that's He's a leader in every room that he's been in, and it's because of the person that he is. I think that that's important to state because he'll accept any role uh, that's necessary. I think that the obvious choice is to put him with Brody, but he's not who he, he's a 38-year-old, I believe. He's not the same Norris, Division, Norris Trophy-winning defenseman. Having said that, he's not going to be able to eat up those minutes, but mm-hmm. he could play spotting. I think he'll play in the bottom pair, but maybe spottingly in situational situations he'll play with Brody, but it doesn't, I don't think he can do that uh, uh, at this age. But he'll provide a lot of leadership, and he has uh, everything you want in defenseman. He can play it any different way, and he's going to be accepting of whatever role he's given. So, um, But I just don't think they're, they're d- deep enough on the bottom six. I, I feel like... They don't have momentum changes. If you think about Tampa Bay and the way that they built their bottom six and how they're retooling that now um, and making sure that they have players that can affect and see how important it is, and that's why they went out and got Hagel, they understand the value of that and having guys that can play that game and to contribute offensively but eat up minutes and, and make it hard to play against. So what did they get in the other part of the deal, Colin Blackwell? What did Leafs get? They get a player that uh, hard nosed player, a, a guy that will help them in, in that regard. I think that um, this is a team that that has been searching, you know, to really reshape for how long? Four or five years, it seems to retool that bottom six, and, and he'll help that. I think that um, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of times you're wanting more from that group, and I think that. They can shut us all up if they just go out and win the first round and, and all that pressure will be gone. It's it's funny. It's not it's not easy to do. I want to clarify. As a guy who I'm talking to a guy who's played in the NHL, as a guy who's not played in any professional hockey league, it is not easy to win around in the playoffs, but it is kind of easy to quiet us all down. Just win one. Just win one. And it all, all kind of goes away. You know, looking big picture, we can go back to the Giroux deal. We can look at Lindholm. Of all the moves that have been made kind of in the last week or two here, what's your favorite? Which move do you think kind of puts the team the most over the top i like the i always found that teams that got ahead of it uh did well and because it gave you more time to assimilate the player in the group 
and it, you didn't have to overpay. So with Calgary and what they've done there and bringing into Foley, I think is, is made an immediate impact. Obviously, uh, Daryl knowing him from having, I feel like people forget about that trade because it happened like just a little before the deadline, but he's been amazing for them. He's been really good. And so I think that, I think Daryl knowing the player, having success, knowing where he would fit him in and, and culturally that he would be a great, a great fit. Uh, it was a great pickup and he's, he's been on fire since going there. So, uh, I I like that pick pickup. That's the biggest one for me. Now, you know, again, a lot of things are if if you get healthy and that's like a trade deadline pickup or if somebody takes off. And we were chatting earlier, like John Tavares, it's, he's kind of the sacred cow because he came here, right? Came by choice and made everyone happy about that and, and had 47 goals that year with Marner and what have you. But you mentioned earlier, he's got to get going. And you can never quibble about anything he does work ethic-wise, two-way hockey, all the little things. He's not the fastest skater, so it's different than Marner Matthews' skating. But what is it about him right now that Florida has two better lines right now than Toronto, who's supposed to have top two lines as their strength? I'm sure if they had the answers, they'd, they'd fix it, right? I think that, um, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe they do switch it up with the intent that they're going to go back to it. But is he showing age a little? I don't want to, like, I, I'm just saying, John, like John Tavares, like just, you know, because you don't, Again, I don't mind trying meaning to criticize him, but it's not exactly happening. That's never been his game, right? He creates plays. It's below the hash marks. It's below the goal line. It's net front. It's given goals. It's using his size and strength. It's not blowing you. It's not entries. It's not. It's power play points. It's going to be uh, five on five. Is going to be simple meat and potatoes type of hockey. He's very, very, very skilled and very smart in front of the net. But I liken it to everyone's been saying for ten years that Paul Stastny's too slow. Yeah, he is. He's never been a great skater. But he's, he's not Nick Letty. Right? He's very smart. He knows how to create offense. He knows the give-and-go game. He understands. I think this is just – I don't think this is an indicator. I think this is just more uh, uh, a pause in, in, in his production. And I, I, you know, I think he'll find a way. And he's so uh, determined that I think that uh, it's probably lasted longer than he's wanted to or ever right. had it happen in his entire career. But he's so smart and work so hard, I think he'll find his way out of it. Yeah, that's that's tend to have been my belief with Tavares, was if he came into the league as a guy who burns you wide, and that was his whole game, and he loses a step, okay, that's a problem, but that was never him, and I thought it would age a lot better, and I, I'm with you. I think that this is a really, really long, prolonged slump, but I think that's what it is. I don't think this is a player kind of completely falling off a cliff, but, you know, in a... It, in any world, your best players have to be your best players. But in a cap world, a guy making 11 million bucks, he really needs to be your best player. Do you think in the room, again, it's not any conversation, but it's just kind of thoughts in guys' heads. Are they looking around going, come on, JT, get it going? Or because he's the captain and how respected he is kind of throughout the league, do you think there's just that belief there? Or do players ever look at the guy beside them going, oh, no, is, is he about to fall off a cliff here? Like, how, how does that work kind of within a player's mind? It depends on the status of the player. I mean, certainly when we had Keith Kachuk and he was struggling, or even with Patrick Kane, if he had gone a few games, mm-hmm. didn't go many, but gone a few games without getting points you know it was only a matter of time i think that what's more important is like how he's carrying himself and what he's doing habit wise so that he can set a good example for the group in regard to how they get out of these things and so when they do find adversity in their own games they can just lean on watching him go through it and the way that he represents himself and the way that he goes on the ice early works on his game dials everything in even tighter and tighter just like a struggling goalie would do to get on the ice with the goalie coach so um it, it's, you know, 
we used to go nuclear, we would say it, and we put Taze and Kane together. Yeah. And that would usually get us out of a lot of jams. Martin or Matthews Tavares. And maybe there's a way that you do that. (laughs) Maybe you go nuclear just to get him out of it, and then he gets that confidence going, um, and you go back to what you want normally for the top six. So there's all different ways. I'm sure they're they're stewing over it in the the coach's (laughs) office, figuring out what they're going to do, and ultimately it's about winning hockey games, but there's no question he needs to get going. Uh, only, well, I guess there's been other little goaltenders, but Marc-Andre Fleury going to Minnesota. What does that do to the Wild? I think it pushes them right to the top. It's, it's you know, it's interesting. No one ever saw them going there, and I think mm-hmm. that we can't understate the uh, bond that you have when you win with someone. And I think the, the bond that Fleury has with Bill Guerin and having played with Billy, I guarantee he got on the phone and talked to Marc-Andre mm-hmm. and, and convinced him that they were that close, that he would be that, that igniter for this group. It's hard to think about it because they've been struggling the last you know, 15 to 20 games, but you think about how well this team started. I think Billy feels that they're that close. And so if he can get shore up uh, what they're doing defensively and adding in a guy who, first of all, is just a great person and, and a guy to be around his energy is, is so infectious, uh, I think it's going to help their group and, and maybe give their group that sense of belief that, wow, Billy G believes that we're that close. Mark Andre believes we're that close or else he wouldn't come here. Uh, let's pick it up. Yeah, I think it's I think it's both, right? Like, one, it's your GM making the move, giving up the assets for sure. But the fact that a guy with the pedigree, you know, we just talked about how, you know, Taves and Kane are viewed or a guy like Tavares is viewed in the league. And if a guy like Flurry, who, man, he's had a weird career, but way more highs than, than lows, the fact that he's agreeing to come on, I think that has to has to give you uh, nothing but hope and faith there. Uh, Jamal, it's been tons of fun. We've had you in our sweat lodge here. You have very nice <laughs> shoes on. All you TV guys looking great today. We will let you go back to the palatial. TV environment now, though. <laughs> great talking to you guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, uh, there he goes, Jamal Mayers, NHL vet, uh, doing great work today on TV's uh, trade deadline coverage. And I'll be honest, doing a little bit better work on the radio side of things with us. Uh, Brent Gunning, Gord Stellick, walking you through what's been a, uh, you know, relatively busy. We got the big ones out of the way early trade deadline. A lot of trades to discuss. There have been little ones trickling in. We haven't given too much love to. We'll rehash the Leafs thing as well. And again, I don't think I can state this enough. Uh, we haven't really mentioned this much with all the trade deadline stuff going on. Rasmus Sandin not on the ice at mm-hmm. least practice today. We do not know what that injury is, but it is not a good thing. That's uh th- they've 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 added to their D Corp, so it's obviously not as big an issue, but I think that guy's an important player for them this year and obviously into the future. So uh your fingers are crossed there hoping it's not too too bad on Sandin. Yeah, well, again, injuries part of the game, and for hopefully sure. that's all you can and fortunately they've added the depth and I think that was the plan anyway all along. And uh, rather capably with Labushkin and, and now Giordano. Yeah, that's right. I can't wait to see uh, what Giordano looks like in the lineup. Colin Blackwell as well. Can't can't let him uh, go too far under the radar because uh, I think he'll be a, a useful pickup as well. And again, uh, it should be noted, Leafs GM Kyle Dubas, he will join Real Kipper and Bourne. That's at 4.30 today. The NHL's trade deadline. Ooh, just a little more than a half hour left before teams can stop making deals. But don't stop. Keep them coming, keep them coming, keep them coming. Brent Gunning and Gord Stellick here with you on Sportsnet 590. The Fan, it is a Leafs Nation trade deadline edition. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
What a day. Deadline day in the NHL. Leafs Nation trade deadline edition. Brent Gunningcourt Stellick alongside me. Wonderful in-studio guest today joining us in the radio sweat lodge here as we sweat out the trade deadline, much like NHL players, I'm sure, across the league are, are doing. Uh, Gord, it's been a busy day of minor moves. I think that's probably the uh, the, the best way to describe it so far. You know, some players of, uh, of more consequence starting to get moved. Arturi Lekkanen in the last little bit, but I wanted to take this time to one. Again, I mentioned it at the very tail end. Rasmus Sandin, uh, he is not at Leafs practice today. Uh, we will see what the extent of that injury is, but I don't think I can say that enough because that is a, a big piece missing for, for the Leafs, or a, a piece missing if he is involved in that as well. Andre Kasha, obviously uh, we, we have a little more clarity on that because we saw what happened. We saw how he left the ice, uh, you know, stumbling albeit under, under his own power there. So you'll see what happens with that. I, I think because of the depth on D, maybe the Leafs are able to survive Sandine a little better. It feels like cash is maybe a bit more of an impactful loss, but both of those players not having them hurt you. Yeah. And hopefully you have them for the playoffs, right? Yep. That's what we'll, that's what we'll find out. But um, as we talk about the likes of Aaron Eckblad and Jack Eichel and others, uh, there's a lot of that going around uh, Arizona, Johan Larson to Washington yes. for a third round pick. So all of a sudden Bill Armstrong, who kind of kidded, he said he was the 7-Eleven of general managers, open all the time. Yep. If you want to make a deal, and they weren't doing it. It was the Seattle Kraken making those deals on the weekend, including right. the Giordano and Blackwell deal with the uh, Maple Leafs. So I think this is where you're going to get guys like uh, Bill Armstrong going around for the last time mm-hmm. now. The last hour, you get a lot of that. Because last call. It's, yeah, yeah. It's it's now or get off the pot. And so uh, maybe you thought you could get, say, a second in this case, but you couldn't. So you had a third from Washington, and you've taken the third. Yeah, Caps uh, making a couple of moves today. Uh, they they also they also acquired Marcus Johansson as well. That's a guy who could potentially help uh, help out their second power play unit. You know, it's funny. Uh, I don't know why. I I it's all interesting conversation. We've talked about the Jets a ton today, and they make another move uh, just happening now. Zach Sanford coming to them from the Senators for a fifth round pick. We were we just had Jamal in here. Sanford, a guy who was with the Blues before he went to Ottawa. You know, for a team like Winnipeg, this feels to me like not throwing in the towel and potentially it's a guy you want to get in the fold because you think about re-signing him going forward but again a bit of an odd move for a team like the Jets to be buyers in the position that they're in yeah no it was it was it's um and you know they picked up Mason Appleton as well that's earlier, right so, I forgot about that so they're it's going to be hard but one team I mean you you can you can theoretically control your destiny if you go on if you go on a tear, so and by the way, we're just talking, I think we, I think we mentioned earlier about Andrew Cogliano yes. with Colorado. I know we talked about earlier for a fifth round pick, but just seeing the Avalanche now, uh, Archery Lekin, who we talked earlier, and Cogliano getting those kind of they're getting the kind of pieces that Tampa Bay did with Coleman and Goodrow, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that, that if you're at that spot and you're you know just gotta get a little bit more maybe to make sure you get to the finish line first. Uh, those kind of moves, so you know they're not the wow move like uh, Claude Giroux. But making those kind of moves, and uh, yeah, and in Winnipeg's case, I've to me they're just the most baffling team. Uh, most and hey, what if they do get in? Yeah, like and you got Connor Hellebuck in goal, and you go in on a tear. Well, that's the thing. And, if they get in, they're going to be the hottest team in the league. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's kind of what. See, remember Brian Burke gave that line, and it kind of bit him in the ass after about, I don't want to make a trade and just get in eighth. Yeah. And then L.A. got in eighth yep. and won a Stanley Cup. Mm-hmm. Steam rolled over Vancouver in the first round and just kept going and going. So 
Uh, again, that's a little bit down the road, but uh, you know, it, it is interesting. The, uh, Again, and 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 Winnipeg, yeah, just saying we're gonna we're gonna acquire some depth players. We're we're acting like we're still in it. Yeah, and and you know, again, we were just talking to Jamal about that. That has to give a little bit of a shot in the arm to to the rest of that room. And and like you said, if you're if if you're the Jets and you get in or you make a push here, it's because Connor Hallibuck's amazing, and it's because your number one center, Mark Shifley, is looking like what he's looked like in the past. So uh, yeah, interesting moves from them. And I think the other thing that's kind of important about that is not giving up much. A fifth round pick here, you know, late round selections. I don't think there's a problem with that to show a little bit of faith in your group and you give up very minor draft capital. I, I want to mention the, uh, the avalanche moves there. You mentioned Cogliano, Lekkonen. Lekkonen feels like the perfect type of guy for a team like Colorado to pick up. You know, in Montreal, this whole time, he's been a little bit miscast. It's locked and loaded in the top six. Sometimes he's on your first line. You're asking him to be too much and it feels to me like he's a guy who can go to a team and just slot in kind of where he should. He's obviously behind all those big forwards in the pecking order and it just feels to me like that's a that's a really really nice move by them and again second round pick uh, that's kind of you know the cost for that player at this time of year yeah yeah and and uh, so montreal gosh they were in the final last year uh, it's they, amazing I, no actually i wiped it out from my mind were, so i can't confirm that maybe there? it happened i don't know who did they, i hit who my did, head and then it, and then it was the draft i don't who know did, who did they beat to get there so that that uh, and we um have to break it to Maple Leaf fans that the Harry Sateri era oh, is over right. before it even started. <laughs> so uh, Peter Morazic clears waivers. Harry Sateri did not. He had to go on waivers first. Arizona, which I'm kind of wondering what the deal is there because the the Leafs have an Arizona goalie now yeah, that they basically Carter paid Hutton. for. Yeah, you know, so I don't know if. I don't know if there's a side angle here to oh, something. I, I like the point Jamal brought up that maybe it is effectively ransom. Okay, you want him. You, he can be yours, but yeah. you're going to give up the sixth round pick, the fifth round pick, or what, whatever yeah, yeah. it may be. Maybe that's the case. You know, the, the interesting thing, and again, we'll see if he ends up playing in Arizona versus just getting claimed, but I do wonder, and you know, it's not like a guy like Hari Satari has a, you know, a, a high powerful agent, or at least I, I wouldn't imagine he does, but it seems to me like it would be a move that would irk a player and irk an agent. You think you're signing with the Leafs. You think you're signing in the hockey mecca of the world. And yes, you understand waivers exist. But Arizona is geographically, temperature-wise, everything as far away from Toronto as possible. And it's just, it feels to me like that's asking a player to be in a situation. Because here's the thing, I highly doubt, maybe I'm wrong, if the Coyotes came a calling, he would have he would have jumped jumped over to take the deal. I, I don't know. I just that was the thing that kind of jumped out to me. And again, we'll see if he ends up staying as a Coyote or if he moves elsewhere. Well, he can't be sent to the minors because no. the point about waivers is to otherwise then. So the and and this was put in uh, years ago. This whole clear day list, which is also the trade deadline, is so. You can't stack your team with guys coming back from Europe. Mm-hmm. So the whole thing about yeah, or and and actually, in particular, your American hockey league yep, team. That's right. Which is what what a lot of times try to do. So that thing, you know, when you sign them, you probably won't get them because you're signing. You're you're generally signing them for a price they want to play w- with your team. So you're signing them sort of for a certain price, so that which makes it attractive to somebody mm-hmm. else to claim them on waivers. Except the point being is. They have to keep them on their NHL roster because that's the whole point of claim on. If, if it goes now, yep. if, if they're going to go down the American Hockey League, the original team has first crack to send them down.
Yeah, so uh, again, we will uh, we'll see what happens here. Uh, you know, we were all getting a little ahead of her. Well, let's be honest; it was just me getting ahead of myself, envisioning the hairy, hairy chance. Uh, I don't know that we'll we'll hear them. I'd love I'd, I'll just sign up for hearing Soupy again before uh, before the season is done. Because man, uh, Leafs goaltending, uh, Peter Morazic clearing waivers, nobody jumping at that contract. I don't think that should surprise anybody. I, you know, I know there was some belief of, oh, hey, you know, this is a flyer for a team that has no cap problems. Look, it. it if the, if the Leafs could have moved him, they would have, and the, I'm not surprised at all that, that somebody didn't uh, jump at him on waivers. We will see. You know, we were talking to Kelly about it. He's If if he's back with the club, he will play at some point. They're not going to carry that salary on this team for fun. If he's back in the club, he's going to play. And, you know, listening to Kelly, it does feel like it only takes one start, two starts before you're kind of back to where you were. I don't know that this team's ready to trust him again, but it is, uh, it's interesting that he's still in the fold. And, you know, talking to Kelly, Rudy, and, and so when we brought up Jack Campbell, there's two things, because Kelly is quite proud. We mentioned it, uh, the great work he's done, um, being an advocate about mental health issues and um, about people getting help with mental mm-hmm. health issues and not being uh, afraid to speak out and understanding all the support. And then morphing that into Jack Campbell, which isn't in the same realm, or we don't think anyway. It's more about a goaltender who has had mental, uh, has had confidence issues before and that, then all of a sudden getting it all together. And now in a short piece of work, uh, losing it a bit and then getting hurt and hopefully hopefully getting back on track. I will say, you know, and you you have been great at walking me through this. I keep saying I have hope and you go, or I have faith and you go, do you have faith or do you have hope? Okay, it's hope. Maybe it's a silly thing. We know goalies can be a little, you know, a little, a little quirky from time to time. I don't know if you saw this. Jack Campbell, there was a video of him walking his cat. And that that's goalie behavior to a T. So I, I just think the fact that he's just kind of living his own life, doing what he wants to do, being happy. Uh, it's, Who it's, walks their cat? Jack Campbell does. I'm telling you. That's what I'm saying. I've never seen anybody walk I've their cat. I've never seen it either. And it's a little weird. That's and, why you get cats. They don't need to be walked. Well, that's right. You you know, you there's no cats at the dog park when you're out there with Blue. No. But I, I say that and I think, <laughs> you know, look. You know, goalies can be a little, little quirky from time to time, and the fact that's that he's Felix's a, nickname. Well, that's right. Maybe he's trying to channel those those good vibes uh, from from the run uh, way back when. We'll see. Uh, Jack Campbell is this team's answer. It's uh, we all love the Eric Schalgren story. So we wait, do. He's not going to be in a hoarder's episode, Jack Campbell, but like thirty five cats in his house or something. Well, he loves everything so much. How could he ever throw it away? He probably will be in a hoarder's uh, episode. But you know, look, that's the answer. We we love the Schalgren story. Uh, we can we can hope and and pray that Peter Moran. Isaac refines his form. If the Leafs go on a run, it's because that guy is the number one goalie. You know, people were holding out hope for Flurry. It's not going to happen. He's playing in Minnesota. People were holding out hope for Capo Kakinen. Not going to happen. He got moved and, and not to the Leafs. This is your tandem or your trio, I guess, if you want to look at it with Shalgren and, and Mrazek is the behind Campbell. It's it's got to be him. And you just, there's going to be so much riding on when he comes back because it feels to me, if he has a great first start, great. We're off and running. The confidence is rolling. Everything's good. But if it's a rough first outing, I, I wonder if that could kind of snowball in the other direction. Well, and you still do have Peter Morazic. They'll probably put him, assign him to the Marlies, I would think, the rest of the way. Yep. But he's still going to be in your he was system. Wearing, he was wearing all new uh, gear today because he, he has all the, the gear in the NHL and he was wearing it for the next Gens game that they're going to have uh, coming up. So I guess I guess he's getting himself ready uh, for, for that there. But uh, we, we, we shall see with Peter Morazic. Well, anyway, yeah. yeah. So I think that's what they'll... <laughs> end up doing so at least quantity wise they have the goaltenders um 
And, and on, on the other side, we just, it's just, I'm trying to absorb, obviously, obviously, you know, we were hearing these kind of positives with Nick Felino last year. Now, Nick Felino had a quarantine. Remember that? That's right. He had to go Sudbury to quarantine, so you couldn't see him had right to, away. Well, did he go to quarantine or did he go to get the hat from his dad that he, that he gave him that yeah, he was wearing yeah. in all the post games? And then, I don't, like, did he come hurt or when did he I, get hurt? I am, look, I would never accuse an NHL GM of selling someone a, uh, a damaged goods. But it really felt like it. The fact that he played three shifts and he was out with a back injury. And it's just, again, of course, medical staffs get to look at these things. I yeah. understand that. But, man, it, it it hit as bad a time as humanly possible. Yeah. Yeah. It just never never got off on the right foot. Which, you know, even all the smaller thing, like Ilya Labushin has got off on the right foot. Yeah. You know, he is. Even a, though he broke all his sticks in the first two games he well, played the here. the cheap ones Arizona right. game. That's a good point. Yeah. No, no wonder they're, <laughs> yeah. Well, Harry's a Terry. So they're going to, well, they're going to get stuck with another con- contract. They, I don't. Uh, they probably told him to bring some sticks from Finland. They're like, well, the probably. ones we got here are no good. Bring well, us some gonna, of those Olympic sticks. Well, they're going to be on the hook for his uh, whatever prorated share of 750K. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we'll wait and see if there is. Because, I mean, you would think. That a general manager that, uh, like like Kyle Dubas, just dealt with Bill Armstrong. Mm-hmm. They made the trade. So you wouldn't think that would be the GM that would be submarining him by. But but maybe they think that's the guy. That's the guy they're going to move forward with next year. That yeah. Harry Sateri. I can't believe how much Harry Sateri talk we're having today. It's way too much, to like, be perfectly know, honest. Yeah, yesterday, at this very time, I never thought we would <laughs> mention his name once. Instead, he has been he has been top of mind. No, so let's uh, let's just run through some some of the deals uh, of of the day. We've we've been doing that here. Obviously, I think on deadline day, the biggest move is, is Flurry. We've we've kind of talked that to death. The conditions on that, I don't know if we actually mentioned them. It is a conditional second round pick if they make it to the conference final, I believe it is, and if he plays eight or, or eight games within the first two rounds of the playoffs. In that, uh, that becomes a first. If you're making it to the conference finals, you'll give up a first round pick just about every time, I think. So I think that's exactly the kind of conditions that a team like Dallas or quite frankly, you know, and I, uh, who knows if he was willing to move, wave his no move to come here. But if a, if a team like the Leafs was looking at Flurry, you say, oh yeah, we'll give you our second rounder and it becomes a first if we make it to the conference final, because if you do that, you've won the trade. Yeah, and you know Chicago Blackhawks is the guy they picked up for nothing, and yep. they're going to get a, a, a second round pick out of it. So that that is... You're right about that kind of the um, eye-opening trade so far uh, today, just and particularly where he went. And uh, I, I um, uh, again, we're looking. There's 15 minutes left, but of course, as we always say and remind everybody, and of course, Real Kipper and Bourne will be on afterwards. Uh, a lot get in, and then they still have to have the call. They have yeah, the it's call like, well, it's like basketball. You have to have the ball out of your hand at 3 yeah. o'clock, but you don't have to have yeah. uh, all the paperwork. And in. they arrange the call with both teams, and I, get, I, they, I believe they get the representatives on as well, and NHL Central Registry, and they have to look at cap compliance and all, all those kinds of things. So it, it could drag on for about another hour afterwards before if there's deals. We don't have the, you know, it's funny names, the Kyle Wanvig fax machine <laughs> snafu that happens to the Leafs. They were, the paper, yep. no paper for the fax machine for that, that, <laughs> that trade that never happened at a, at a, at a deadline. So a, anyway, that's what happened. What's our 2022 equivalent of that? Like the Wi-Fi is down and, and Dubas is just frantically trying to call and he, he can't get it. Man, uh, amazing to think uh, what, what used to a submarine trade. Uh, other uh, kind of interesting move here. So the Sharks, uh, there are Sorry, the the Wild, they get a goalie in Marc-Andre Fleury. They send a goalie 
out in uh, Capo Kakinen. He goes to San Jose along with a fifth round pick and the wild get Jacob Middleton. You know, Middleton was a guy the Leafs had been linked to. I think once you go out and make your big splash in Giordano, that was obviously no longer a, uh, a priority, but just kind of interesting to see the wild goalie in goalie out. I do wonder if the Leafs had any interest there in a guy like Capo Kakinen. I was wondering if they would make their David Riddich trade from last year. Look, this is a warm body. He's here. If we need the backup, hopefully we don't need him in the playoffs. He Capo Kakinen to me felt like the most guy like that, but the fact that the Wild go out and get a player they can use, maybe that's what was kind of holding the Leafs back and that is that you uh you cannot you know, you, you don't want to give up a roster player and the Wild clearly wanted one. So I, that's a name I was looking at for the Leafs, but I, I don't know that the trade fit made sense. Yeah, and, and Jacob Middleton's the guy they get back. So, you know, that what's, um, what is the player you're talking about. Just uh, we'll find out how, what good terms Phil Kessel's on with his sister. Yeah. Amanda Kessel's saying Phil's not getting traded. I'm baffled by that. Like, I, like how can you not even, like, take a third? I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what the value would be but somewhere to go on a playoff team now he's, he is a new father yeah i do and, wonder if it's in arizona respecting that or do they think or have they even talked that I, but he doesn't fit in their plans i know i know he would take a lot le- he'd have to take well to stay there he'd have to take a lot less yes. money you know he'd take less money <laughs> anywhere but a lot less money so uh, if it's a if it's a make nice thing to appreciate and respect uh the new parent um Nice, I guess, but man, I take the draft pick. It's a business. Well, and that's the, the it's the business thing is exactly what I kind of land on there. This isn't Claude Giroux with the Flyers, where he's played a thousand games in your organization. He's been the captain and the backbone of your team for oh so long. He'd been there for a couple of years. He scored some goals, but I mean, you know, I don't know that anybody on this, those Coyotes teams right now could kind of build that that goodwill. So yeah, interesting, I guess. Kudos to them from a personal perspective, but from an asset management one, uh, I don't know. And I, I do wonder, I guess, the other side of that, that I, I, we can never know unless we know what's going on. But what do you make of the idea of if somebody doesn't meet your price, you do not you do not stoop to it because if you're a GM in Arizona and you're saying, I'm going to have to make a million deadline trades, not just this year, I'm going to have to make them next year and I might have to be making them the year after that. I don't want people coming up to me and saying, here's your here's your here's your seventh round pick at the uh, at the very end of things. I want to I want people to know I'm going to hold firm on my price. So I wonder if that if that is part of it. Let's say they wanted a third and they weren't getting it. OK, we lose out on the fourth. That's fine. Well, it'd be like in Jacob Chikrin, certainly that's understandable. He's got term. But in a guy that's an expiring contract, like you're left holding the bag and you're kind of going, geez, I could have got a fourth round. It could have got something. Like I'm talking about you're mm-hmm. out of the playoffs, yep. like in the Arizona situation. And I guess we're getting uh, mixed messages from Winnipeg now. Yeah, we are. The Jets. Uh, so they've added, they've added, they've added. And now they're selling Andrew Kopp going from Winnipeg to the New York Rangers. You know, we just talked with Jamal. We've talked with everybody today about those identity kind of middle, middle six, bottom six type type forwards for you. Andrew Kopp is exactly that. Uh, he's a playoff player and the Rangers are going to be happy there. Yeah, I, I, maybe that's. I mean, it, you, I, of course, always want to see the return. You didn't yeah. think what they gave up. Well, but. you know, you know, and they did get Mason Appleton back the other time. Think about Andrew Kopp is as well, and this is kind of Doug Armstrong style in mm-hmm. St. Louis that he's not going to let he he you know he's he's going to win a Stanley Cup or compete for a Stanley Cup and still you know trade trade a player that's going to be an expiring contract. And Winnipeg's you know kind of doing that. Kopp's looking for big numbers, mm-hmm. and he deserved it. And Winnipeg's uh, a team that um, either. Well, probably it's more cap-wise, can't fit him in versus, you know, whatever he deserves. So, yes, so maybe they feel they have their replacement and, uh, you know, it's still going to come down to the Shifleys of the world and the Wheelers of the world and the defense and the Hellebucks of the world to uh, 
get them to the next level. Well, and from the from the Rangers' perspective of things, look, there are plenty of teams I like ahead of them in the Eastern Conference. But with that goaltender, he gets hot. That guy can win a series by himself. So I, I really like the move on their part. They're, again, they're the anti-Leafs. They've got goaltending figured out and questions everywhere else. And the Leafs, uh, they, they're pretty set uh, everywhere else. But they don't know what's going on in net. Again, this is always a, a very, very fun time uh, on deadline day. Watching teams try to sneak their deals in. Uh, I'm just trying to think, you know, let's, uh, let's, let's put a pin on it in the Atlantic. Every team pretty much who's in the, not pretty much, every team in the playoffs has made a move. Gord, the Leafs are the what best team in the Atlantic? First, second, third, fourth? Well, I'm still going to go with second after Tampa Bay. I'm, you know, still going to go with that. The uh, I'm giving the Boston boy, the Boston Bruins still um, haven't got the number two center right with David Krejci staying in Czechos- Czech Republic, uh, Czechia, Czechia. Uh, that he is. Um, That's changed know, a bunch of times yes, in your life. So yeah. they uh, they're they're going to miss him. So uh, that the Florida Panthers like uh, prove it. Um, maybe they will, maybe they will. Um, they, they, they can't help, but catch your eye with, with all they're doing and, and the, and what they've shown this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've, they've rolled over teams like we'll do Leafs nation and we'll be talking about, yes, get a few games where they roll over. <laughs> And Leafs haven't done it as much as, uh, as say, say they have. It does feel like every single day you're turning on highlights or looking at box scores and Panthers won 7-2, the Panthers won 6-2. Wow, how is this happening every single night? But they're in the exact same boat that the Leafs are in. Great, awesome, good regular season. Go prove it. Win four, win four games that matter, and then we can talk about it be, beyond that because that's what it always is going to kind of come down to. I'm right there with you. I still have the Leafs as the second-best team in the Atlantic. Florida, Florida is a scary team. They're a talented team, and if good Bobrovsky shows up, they might be the best team in, in the Atlantic. But goaltending, always an uncertainty. And the only team I think we know what it is in the Atlantic is the Lightning, and that's why they're, they're at the kind of top of the heap. Uh, Gordo. What a fun show. I'll, I'll end with this on you. What was your favorite move of, of deadline? Uh, favorite move today? Yeah. Um, or we can include yeah. moves yesterday. Yeah, no, no. I, for, well, I mean, the Leaf moves are always mm-hmm. favorite because that's who we cover and vested interest. I, I just thought what uh, uh, first they're mentioning about Todd Tafoldi, Calgary doing it yep. early. But I, I, I do like Hampus Lindholm. So I just think Boston getting that stud D, signing him for eight years. So they have him and Charlie McAvoy uh, as, uh, uh, as, as a tandem, I thought was was the best move in, in the big picture. I like the Avalanche uh, getting Lekkonen. I would have really liked them getting Giroux for them, but that wasn't going to happen. Uh, giving up a second-round pick for a guy who's going to be an RFA when this is all said and done and he can fit into your lineup really nicely now, I thought that was a, a great, great piece of business. Fun, fun show today. Gordo, we'll be back when the Leafs are back. That's Wednesday against the Devils. Show and Lance, thanks so much to the guys behind the glass. But as always, most importantly, thank you for listening to the Leafs Nation special trade deadline edition here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.